order to have good relationships, be it platonic, romantic, whatever, you need to learn how to be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. So when you're staying in situations that aren't serving you, you're not being honest. Mm -hmm. I think deep down, we know when a situation is like, feels good and is mm -hmm. right for us and there's synergy. But sometimes for whatever reasons or motivations or insecurities, we cling on to those things that are not good for us because mm -hmm. it's kind of addicting in a way. Hi guys, welcome back to a new episode of Synced Up. I'm your host, Sabrina Sablowski, and today I am joined by a fellow podcaster with the same initials as me, Stella, but your last name I'm going to need some help with. Stephanopoulos. Stella <laughs> Stephanopoulos. Like, that is a name that's just made to be known. <laughs> Do you want to know something really funny? Yes. <laughs> My middle name is uh, George. <laughs> Wait, what? If you want to do the full introduction. Stella George Stephanopoulos. Wait, wait, wait. This was like the um the Drake and Bobby interview. What did you see? That? I've seen clips. <laughs> but he, that was her name was like supposed to be Larry or something. Oh no way. But didn't she name her like Kid Concrete or something? Yeah, like cement or concrete, <laughs> like one of them. Now whenever I see cement, I'm like, wait, Bobby's daughter or son? Like I don't even know. Um, well, Stella, I'm so excited to have you here. With Stella's podcast, you talk all about mental health, raising, or not raising your vibration. That's how I interpret it. But yeah. it's like mental health and really finding joy. And it's called, her podcast is called Everyday Endorphins, which I just love. Every had such a cool way of meeting. She is just absolute go-getter like does it all and I actually like <laughs> I'm scratching my head I'm like how, how do you do that it's just so impressive so also side note Stella took a little break from the podcast starting in May but you're getting back into it so do you want to just like talk about that talk about why you did that what made you want to start this podcast about everyday endorphins and just yeah Thank you for all of these compliments. It's such a <laughs> it's sweet so intro. Easy. It's so easy. <laughs> I mean, I remember when, so I guess context for your listeners, we met through a event that I did for my podcast at Overthrow Boxing in Soho. And you were one of the panelists on this panel that I hosted after the boxing class. Um, and we talked about boosting your endorphins through exercise, through boxing, the lessons learned from boxing. It was incredible, and I was so blown away by your answers. And I do think um, this concept of raising your vibrations is synonymous with the goal of everyday endorphins, which is to seek out those endorphin thrills in life and mm -hmm. recognize that there are those glimmers that we need to kind of hold on to mm -hmm. because that's what makes the harder moments worth living for, like worth yes. experiencing. Um, so that's kind of the mission, I would say, behind the podcast is to inspire people to empower people to feel like they have greater agency um, over their health and well-being. And by doing so, my hope is that people get excited by this concept of endorphins and seeking out those joys mm -hmm. in life. Um, so that's a bit about the vibe of the podcast, <laughs> as well as the events, getting a community together, doing live interviews, workout classes, a wide variety of things to really bring people that sense of joy in their lives. Um, so that's a little bit about the, the mission behind the podcast, why I started it. Uh, there's kind of two stories. I started the podcast in 2020, senior year of college. It was COVID. 
my studies in college were this like integrative major in philosophy, neuroscience, and psychology. So, wow, that's, that's like all my favorite things right? in one. It's like, wait, where'd you go to school? I went to Washu in St. Louis. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so then you moved the back to New York? Moved back to New York after college and wow. started working in corporate America, which we can talk about later. Yeah. But I, so I was studying, in my opinion, like the pursuit of a good life, mm-hmm. understanding that through my academic studies. And then I got to this point in college where I wanted to start a podcast. I felt like it was the perfect platform to share what I was learning and educate myself continuously. And I just wanted others to feel good and mm-hmm. kind of resonate with that mission. So I launched the podcast in October 2020. Backtrack to 2013. So like a decade ago. Wow. I started Everyday Endorphins as an Instagram account. I was on a crew team in high school. Bronx I Well, I went to Bronx Science for school, but we didn't have a crew team. It was mm-hmm. a separate organization. Wait, where did you grow up? We talked about this. Yes. Grew up on the Upper East Side. Oh my God. Yes. Born and raised New Yorker, you guys. Yes. Which is really hard to find now. It is. Grad. Yeah, um, I have so many questions, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up on the Upper East Side. My family moved to Riverdale when I was in high school. So a lot of my like adolescence was in the Bronx Mm -hmm. because my high school, my crew team was like upper Manhattan, but we were in the Bronx as well. Um, and at the time when I was on this rowing team, I was never a student athlete prior to that. So it was like my first time doing the whole student athlete thing, becoming more athletic. I danced, I did yoga growing up, but I never saw myself as like a sports person. Mm -hmm. So rowing like really changed my perspective on fitness. I learned a lot of lessons through that sport And I wanted to blog about it. It was just fun for me. So I used this Instagram. This was like pre-influencer days. Really just for myself for fun to blog about health and wellness from like the food and fitness perspective. Anyways, I stopped rowing in college when I got to Wash U. And my whole philosophy on like how to get your endorphins in life, primarily through strenuous exercise, was completely shattered because I no longer had that Mm -hmm. in my routine. So I felt like my perspective was shifting Mm -hmm. and the content that I was sharing was not in alignment with what I believed. What kind of content were you sharing? It was just like, you know, salad from sweet green or like didn't a 30 minute run at the gym. Like, great, but who cares? (laughs) No one cares. And it was also low hanging fruit for people to make fun of. And I was like, this hurts, but it's also valid. Like Mm -hmm. I can see why people are making fun of this. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't, there wasn't substance behind it. So I took a break from the Instagram, but then again, fast forward to 2020, wanted to start this podcast, felt like I could really intellectualize these concepts around, these concepts around health. Mm -hmm. And so I was studying, I was studying studying and I was living it because when I got to college, I was like, holy shit, like (laughs) mental health is no joke. Yeah. You know, I think I kind of, I had a very privileged and lucky childhood to Mm -hmm. have a stable family situation and a community and friends and social support. And I always did well academically. So everything was like, quote unquote, good in my life. And then I got to college and I started to recognize other close people around me struggle and understand why they were struggling. And then I started to deal with anxiety as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I realized that we're living through this mental health epidemic, right? And how our mind and our body is so interconnected. Long story short, the podcast spun out of the Instagram felt like the name was super special and unique. So I wanted to use that for the show. And here we are. <laughs> That's my long wow. video. Wow. Okay. Well, 
I have so many questions, but when you were in college, can you talk about your experience like with that transition? Because I relate to you so much where I also grew up in New York City. I actually didn't want to go away to school because I loved New York so much and I felt like nothing could compare. So even going to school in the Midwest, which is so different, and was that difficult for you making a transition like that into a completely different environment? Because that's another thing, and I'm sure you know this, but how big a role our environment plays on our mental health Mm -hmm. and what people can do if they are in an environment or don't or aren't as privileged as us to grow up in a quote-unquote good household you know it's and nothing is ever perfect you know like my parents got divorced it was like a whole thing but I was always like taken care of you know so there obviously are pros and cons but what kind of advice or what's your standpoint on your environment and how to kind of adapt or when you're in an environment that doesn't really seem suitable for feeling joy or if you're in a tough situation, how can someone shift their perspective, shift their mindset? Like what are things that you did when you were starting to face mental health challenges when you're away at school and what you notice in your friends? That is such a good question. So it was really difficult for me because first I'm an only child. So I never lived with anyone before, like shared a room with them. Luckily, my roommate was like so great to live with. She was easy to get along with and very easygoing and um, really respectful of the space. So I feel like I had the best situation possible, but it was hard for me. Like I remember I got mono like right when I got to school. Oh no. I was having fun. (laughs) I remember I told my parents in, like, October, and my mom was like, who are you kissing, Stella? I was like, I don't know. (laughs) Um, But I got sick, and, like, it kind of screwed my health for the whole year. Right. Mono was, like, it takes months. Yeah. I was, and I just, and after, like, the pain went away, it was the fatigue that lasted. Mm. And that was hard socially. It must have been really hard on your mental health, too. Couldn't go out. Also, like, I am the type of person that gets anxious about being sick, which Mm. doesn't help being sick. (laughs) So it's like if I feel it coming on or if I am sick, I get really stressed and anxious, and it just makes the symptoms persist. So that was difficult. And then I was having a lot of, like, boy stress, and I was, for the first time, I experienced insomnia. And when your sleep is messed up, your mood is messed Mm -hmm. up, and your health is messed up. Mm -hmm. So there are all these things happening, and... I also have the whole freshman 15 situation. I came into college with unbalanced hormones and I couldn't figure out how to balance them for a variety of reasons. And a lot of it I realize now has to do with how cortisol impacts our hormones, like mm-hmm. our sex hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was definitely not like unwinding and de-stressing freshman mm-hmm. year. There were just so many changes. So many stressors on your body, like internally and externally. Yeah. So it was definitely difficult for sure. One way I tried to overcome those challenges was really by having a strong support system but I will say freshman year of college first semester nine out of ten times those friends are not going to be your friends and they definitely were not so it was very difficult because when I uh started my spring semester everyone was like rushing sororities Greek Mm -hmm. life the whole thing and I was like I guess I'll do it and it was the worst experience ever because I ended up getting a sorority that like I just knew I was not going to fit in mm-hmm. with. And I remember thinking to myself, why am I letting this like group of a hundred girls dictate what my social 
blueprint is going to mm-hmm. look like for the next four years. Mm-hmm. And it felt incredibly defeating because then all my friends were in Greek life mm-hmm. and I didn't have a place to go. I wasn't invited to parties. I had to like get on the list, hush, hush, hush. And it's like, I remember thinking to myself, this is so stupid, but it was something that everyone like, it feels like every, everything is based on that. And then yeah. when, and it kind of gives you like not a sense of belonging and it just is like a whole different type of stress and it makes you shift your perception about yourself if you're not aware of it which a lot of us in college aren't aware yeah and I was like 17 18 like you're young Mm -hmm. I'm 23 now like Mm -hmm. I'm young and that was like very young so thank god honestly that I went through that experience because I remember feeling like okay I don't have a community and somehow I found out that there are business rats on campus like co-ed pre-professional fraternities and there was this one in particular that was super social and like cool group of people. I decided to rush, got in, pledged my spring semester. Thank God I had that because mm. the people that I met in that organization were like my friends in mm-hmm. college, specifically mm-hmm. a lot of the people that were like the year or two above me. And that community is what I think kind of turned the year around, made the rest of college really enjoyable for me. Um, and so what I would say to answer your question, it's, it's about like not being afraid to really find your people. Mm-hmm. I think most people, and especially when you're in your teen, early adolescent years, we care too much about what others think of us. Way too much. And it's like, what does it matter? Like, yeah. you have to, and it's, it goes back to your point about raising your vibrations and your frequency. Like, why would you actively put yourself in situations and in environments with people that make you feel like shit? Mm-hmm. It's Find so, better friends. It's so right? tough in college, too, because you just want to fit in like that's and mm-hmm. same with high school same with middle school but what I got from your answer is to really find a good support system a really good community sense of belonging but of course like that comes with the challenges but it always does turn out to be okay mm-hmm. in the end exactly and of course when I say like why do this why do that we all know why we do it like yeah it is not an easy thing to do but um, I think you would really appreciate this. Mm-hmm. I'm currently reading Untethered Soul. <gasps> yes. So good. I'm like, Michael Singer. Yes. <laughs> I feel like my mind is being blown every page I turn. I feel like I need to reread that. I think it's a book we all yeah need to read, reread. And I forget how he phrased it, but it was in like the first chapter. He said that in order to have good relationships, be it platonic, romantic, whatever, you need to learn how to be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. So when you're staying in situations that aren't serving you, you're not being honest. Mm-hmm. I think deep down, we know when a situation is like, feels good and mm-hmm. is right for us and there's synergy, but sometimes for whatever reasons or motivations or insecurities, we cling on to those things that are not good for us because mm-hmm. it's kind of addicting in a way. And in that experience, you're being dishonest with yourself. Mm-hmm. So I really loved his quote and it's something I read literally yesterday and I've been thinking a lot about recently, which is why I'm sharing it now. Um, and I think it goes back to what we were just talking about. And I think it can be applied to anything in life, like cultivating that sense of honesty with yourself mm-hmm. because it makes the harder decisions in life easier to do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easier to do it without feeling like you're doing it from a place of intense emotion that you're mm-hmm. stuck in. Mm-hmm. It kind of gives you like a guiding light when you're because I think what you're saying to be honest with yourself is to get back to your authenticity like what 
authentically feels good to you? What are you doing that's from a place of ego or wanting a sense of belonging versus something that truly from your soul's like core desires, that's a place where it's coming from or from your values. Like, and I think a lot of people, it's kind of like an abstract idea, but to be able to get so clear on on what you value or what you want or what feels good to you. And then from there, kind of having as like a checklist or like a, a filter. And then when something comes along and you're like, I'm not sure about this, you take it through your values list. You take it through this filter. And if it's not aligned with that, which what you said before is like, it's actually a lot more difficult than it seems to be honest with yourself because subconsciously we want to make these things that don't necessarily feel a hundred. We want to make it work. And I, and this has happened to me so many times, like with relationships and with boys and like, cause I'm almost trying to prove to myself that I can get this or like mm. I can make it work. It's like a, a personal like competition. And it's like, no, I'm wasting energy. Yes. <laughs> and it, this idea of like, oh, I can make it work mm-hmm. is related to the concept of Michael Singer's other book, mm-hmm. The Surrender Experiment, which is mm-hmm. great. And he basically says, you got to surrender to what life brings you and not resist. Like when your personal preferences get in the way and you try to control the outcome, mm-hmm. things do not work in your favor. Can but we talk more about that? Yeah, but like, it's so true. Like surrendering. Oh, <laughs> Learning to surrender and learning to, and this is interesting because it's something that I have learned in this period of absence of not doing what I usually do with the podcast, be it recording and publishing and keeping things super active. Like I have been the past few years in this time of rest. Something that I've learned is that surrendering to things in life is not the same thing as being passive or lazy. Mm-hmm. I used to think that mm-hmm. taking a step back was like, you're just being lazy. Mm-hmm. And I think that made me want to believe that I needed to control everything. Mm-hmm. And that was like being productive. Mm-hmm. But I realized that a lot of the stress that I experience in my life, 80% of it is caused from like myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And how I ruminate on things. And I am really trying to make an active and conscious effort to intervene quicker when the monkey mind starts to Yeah, and how do you how do you do that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm honestly like I'm learning as we speak. Mm-hmm. Um reading books like the ones we talked about have mm-hmm. been helpful. Taking a break from the podcast has been helpful, although really challenging because it feels kind of like a loss of identity, like you know, I work my job and then I have all this free time and I'm like, what do I fill it with? Yeah. Right. Well, what brings you joy? Like, how are you feeling this free time? Well, that's the thing. I did a creative writing class. Mm. So I'm oddly enough, as I started to dial down with the podcast, this new group of people came into my life that I spent so much time with and it's been an incredible way to build this new community. And I feel so much love and joy from them. Oh my and the new, new experiences, new relationships, like having the, the, uh, feeling the pleasure and having the fortune to wake up on a weekend and not feel like I need to work. Mm-hmm. Like that shouldn't be a privilege. That should just be, you know, life. Like, you know, life. And so through this rest, although it has been challenging for those reasons, um, it's been so informative because mm-hmm. I've been able to reflect and take a step back and actually digest 
all the pieces of wisdom that I've learned from doing the 100 plus interviews that I've done on my show. Mm -hmm. I think when I was doing it so frequently, I was stuck in the execution of it. And I was not able to take a step back and see the big picture and find ways to actually implement what I was learning Mm -hmm. into my life. That's so interesting. It's almost like you have all of this Mm -hmm. wisdom and knowledge because you're doing all of this work, but it's more like you conceptually understand it. In theory, you understand it, but because you were just so on the go, you didn't really have like as deep of an opportunity to integrate what you were learning and to actually experience it. Like you knew it in theory, you knew all of it, but because you were just so go, 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 and in not really having much space for stillness, there wasn't that opportunity to actually like receive and then like just to like integrate it. Like there was no space to integrate it. You read my mind because as you were speaking, I was going to say like, I'm not going to call this the rest period. I'm going to call this the integration period. <laughs> so you really just read my mind. Telepathy, sync yes. And Yeah, no, honestly. And it's interesting that you say that because... I also teach yoga and a huge, she does everything you guys like, it's literally so cool. (laughs) I love yoga and that's why I wanted to teach was to give back to people and Mm -hmm. to experience the joy that I felt from it. Mm -hmm. And the part of the yoga philosophy is, is exactly this. It's exactly about practicing stillness Mm -hmm. physically through holding poses that are difficult and learning to breathe through it. But seeing how that translates into life, practicing stillness in life, mm-hmm. the power of the breath, mm-hmm. how that can dictate so much. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it's like I teach yoga and I share this wisdom and I share these things that I believe in, but it's hard for myself to practice it. Mm-hmm. So I think this integration period has been absolutely critical and necessary for me to feel like I can bring my best foot forward and bring my best self forward to continue to stay energized, build that momentum again, and have the conversations that I know at the end of the day, at the very least, are serving me with Mm -hmm. the hope of reaching others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's so cool that you have this, like, service-driven mindset because you are someone who just gets it, you know, you get it, and it's, you know the, the benefits that it's made to your life. For instance, practicing breath work that's something I've talked about in almost every episode because the more I start to practice it the more I'm like I cannot live without this mindful practice and I think it's really cool that you know how powerful it is and that's why you want other people to experience it and that sounds like what your podcast and what this whole side of you is like but then you also have the corporate side can you talk like do you think you're going to be in corporate America forever do you want this to be You're full-time, like, why are you in corporate America? Because I know that you said that you actually really love your job, which I think is just, like, also, how do you do it? Like, how do you do it? I just, like, doing a podcast on its own, I'm like, this is a lot. Like, doing this, the Instagram, the TikTok, like, it's a lot. It is a lot. I put everything in my calendar, number one. Like, literally everything. Right. Um, And it is a lot. It is totally a lot, which is why I was like, I can't keep doing it all. Mm -hmm. So... Moving forward, making changes, outsourcing my editing, you know, the small things like that, just trying to take some tasks off my plate so that I have more space and time to rest and devote that energy into other things that are Mm going to re-energize me rather than drain me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why corporate America? Well, I think 
you know, coming out of WashU, the path is either like medicine, consulting, IB. I mean, I didn't study finance. So I was not going to go into investment banking, nor did I ever want to. I thought I wanted to be a doctor, never did the pre-med What kind of doctor? A neuroscientist. <laughs> a brain surgeon. When oh, I was like little. Oh my god. That never <laughs> I mean, you're still kind of like dabbling. You're you're not not in the, in, you're not, you know, working on an actual brain, but you're helping people's brains. Yeah, so that's, I now I, I see that the motivation maybe then, like, underlying you can get that through other mm-hmm. disciplines through other areas um which is why i think the podcast has been so rewarding but mm-hmm. i do love my job i work in consulting i feel very lucky that my firm and my teams that i've had and the communities i've built are not only supportive of what i'm doing but also see it as a superpower mm-hmm. like see it as something that i can leverage and totally. bring something unique to my projects to my team to that environment and I would honestly argue that corporate America and the people that work in that space need these practices more than ever mm-hmm. because it's like a rinse and repeat uh, environment here. It's mm-hmm. just so go, go, go. New York is so high energy. It's would very you ever hard. live anywhere else? I was thinking about that recently. I don't know, honestly. My roots are here. So mm-hmm. I feel like this is right to settle down. But the one other place I feel like I could have a life in is California. Mm-hmm. I feel like people who are born and raised in New York, they're kind of fucked. Because like <laughs> you leave for like a week, two weeks. If I go somewhere that's like Palm Beach, like with oh, my yeah. family, after one week, after five days, I'm like starting to like itch. I'm, my leg is starting to twitch and I'm like, I, I gotta go back. Like I need the stimulation. But then recently when I've been here and we're talking about joy, like I have not been feeling like it's filling yeah. up my cup. Like, I feel like it's it's draining me. Same. I, I get really... annoyed by the noise now. Yes. I used to never bother. I, and yeah. I'm like, it's so loud in New York. And, and I just dirty. Yes. And I feel like there's, like, not enough nature. There's not enough place where you can really have that stillness. And I feel like I've been really trying. Actually, I don't, I don't even know. Like, sometimes I'm like, I want to slow down. Sometimes I'm like, I'm so focus I'm so motivated like I want to do everything and every and anything and everything possible but I feel like it's really difficult to just have moments to yourself like I don't know I just feel like it's not serving me the way that it used to yeah it's kind of a weird position to be in I've never felt like that before especially because I think New Yorkers are like New York or nowhere like yeah, die hard exactly. New York. and I I identify as that but then recently I've had this like revelation where I've been feeling as if New York maybe isn't serving me in certain ways, but I have no desire to leave right now. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. I ever were to go, I don't think it would be a permanent yeah. switch. And to your point or question rather on what brings me happiness, mm-hmm. how do you find those like slivers of joy? Something that I have noticed that always calms me is water. Mm-hmm. Like that element. Mm-hmm. It can't go to the beach really that easily in New York, nor is it like beautiful compared to the beaches on the West Coast or mm-hmm. in Europe and whatnot. But I find peace when I sit by the West Side Highway. Mm-hmm. And I feel like now the West Side Highway is like super popular because of TikTok and everyone going on their runs and boy watching and all of that, <laughs> which is fun. But I like to be alone and just to sit by the water and watch the sunset. And one of my favorite images moving images like things to look at is uh the sunlight reflecting on the waters and mm-hmm. like the little ripples 
and just kind of staring at it. Mm -hmm. It's very, very calming and meditative to me. So of course I wish I could go into real nature and, and experience that, but I have to constantly remind myself that I can't change the environment of New York. It's always mm -hmm. going to be New York. So back to your earlier question with college, you can't change the things around you, but you can bring that sense of love and enjoy within you wherever you go, no matter mm -hmm. where you are. So how do you cultivate a deeper sense of love and joy, especially when you're going through a hard time, which I know is, and I'm asking mm -hmm. almost like selfishly because sometimes, and I don't know if you're like this too, something that I really struggle with is like, if I have ADHD, so I will get super hyper-focused on one thing, like more than the average person. So I feel like I have to work like extra hard to take myself out of a situation and be like, Sabrina, let's bring you back down to earth. Okay, let's relax. But when you are like ruminating on something or something just doesn't, or you feel really attached to an outcome, like how do you in that moment come back to yourself and just try and shift your energy, like shift your mood. Do you know that, that feeling when you're just like almost when you're talking to someone new and they like, you, you haven't heard from them and you're, and you're just like overthinking like how in those moments, nothing is necessarily wrong. Like nothing is wrong, but it feels wrong because you're so hyper-focused on one thing. How can you get back to just feeling good? Like as if they texted you, like as if they were, being do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yes, I do. So how do I do that. <laughs> I think so I'm no scientist, but <laughs> I, I <laughs> in another life. <laughs> I think when we experience that, we it's in other ways like we're experiencing a lack of safety in our bodies. It's mm. it's not feeling safe when you feel anxious about, for example, someone not responding to you. Why do we feel anxious by it? Because we don't feel safe. We're seeking something from them. It, I know that feeling where it's like this gut-wrenching punch in your stomach. And it just like, I was feeling it recently. And it's funny because I went to Coney Island with work recently and we did, the, we rode the cyclone and I'm not a fan of roller coasters, <laughs> but I did it. And I actually loved it. Biggest endorphin thrill because I realized it was that same like feeling when you're going up the roller coaster, you go all the way down <sighs> and your heart sinks. But then it's over. And so you don't, you don't stay in that period where your heart sinks. But when you're feeling this constant sense of being anxious, your heart just sinks. It stays there and it never ends. So I actually, oddly enough, liked riding the cyclone because I was, I realized it was in a moment of induced anxiety and then it stopped. Mm. And so I think when you can recognize that moments and, and feelings are fleeting, they do not last forever and they are not you like mm -hmm. you are not the feeling that you feel you are mm -hmm. not the thought that you think if you can separate your being from the thoughts that are swirling in your head and cultivate that awareness like seeing it kind of transparently but you behind a glass almost mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it has less power over you mm -hmm. and reminding yourself or at least for me like when I remind myself of that I start to feel safe in my body what does it's feeling like, safe in your body feel like to you? Like if, cause a lack of worry, it's like, mm -hmm. Oh, it goes away. Mm -hmm. I can just be, be grateful and, and enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's really, really hard to get into that mindset. So I think it's, you've something you just constantly practice, mm -hmm. but 
I think a more tactical and tangible strategy for the question you're asking is having like a wellness hit list. And mm. it's probably going to be unique to every person mm. because what might be on your hit list might be different than on my hit list. Uh, for me, it might be going to a yoga class. I always knew in college, the minute I felt stressed, I just had to go to yoga and I always came away feeling better. But maybe you don't like yoga. And for you, it's going on a run and clearing your mind. Or maybe it's calling your mom and catching up with her. Or for me, maybe it's treating myself to a nice latte mm-hmm. and a cookie. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think if you have things that you know you can just immediately fall back on, you're not having to use as much willpower, mm-hmm. which drains your energy. Mm-hmm. So you it's easier to just implement those strategies to make yourself feel just 10% happier in that moment. Totally. Also, like, I I feel like it's a not known thing in the wellness industry, but more as people are tapping into the mind-body connection. When you're feeling that stress and anxiety, one of the quickest ways to reduce it is by moving your body, by sweating, by dancing, by walking, yoga, running. So it's really about finding what works for you but I like the idea of having a checklist of okay these are all the things that I can turn to if I start feeling this way I'm going to use that and it's just yeah you're it's more efficient it's less willpower and you just kind of know what you can do to make yourself feel better yeah and I I would compare this uh process I guess to something that I maybe it was like a TikTok video I saw or something that I read but some of the most successful people in life, like entrepreneurs, billionaires, like Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg. I believe that I read somewhere that these figures plan out their outfits the night before, or like they just wear the same things every day because Mm -hmm. it's less energy to think in the morning when they wake up super Mm -hmm. early. What am I going to wear? Like they're finding small hacks throughout their day to expend less mental energy Mm -hmm. so that they can use that towards the harder challenge tasks and challenges that they have to face. So I would compare this like wellness hit list. It's the same kind of idea, having something that you don't even have to think about so that you can use more of your energy to get through the more difficult things. Mm, Oh my God. I love that. Now I'm like thinking about all the ways that I just have wasted so much (laughs) mental energy. (laughs) Like same. I mean, that was college. That was really much my college experience. I was like, but I think that's also growing. And I think that's experiencing. We can sit here and we can talk about all the things we've learned and share all this wisdom that we've acquired. And I'm happy for us. Like, this is great that we know this at such a young age. And imagine how much more we can learn. Yes. I feel like, especially when you grow up in New York, you grow up so quickly, which is like such a cliche, but it's fucking true, you guys. And I feel like, uh, and you probably get this so much, but people probably tell you, oh, you're so mature. You know, <laughs> you have so much wisdom already. And it, we really are so blessed to be able to see the world in this way. And I think it comes from like a passion and mm-hmm. a strong desire to just continuously be better. But with that, I feel like you do grow so much and you do have this really developed perspective on the world and mindset that a lot of people it takes them decades to learn. Mm -hmm. And somehow 
we've gotten here and we're at like 23 and 24. It's just, it is really cool to kind of take yeah. a step back and be like, damn, damn. Right, pat <laughs> you yourself on the back. Yeah. And that's also the thing. Like, I feel lucky, but the fact that I have come to some of these realizations now, I can't even fathom in like five years. Oh my God. What my life is going to look like, how I'm going to think about the world. Who knows? I hope things go well. That's honestly, (laughs) I don't know. That's a nice perspective too. And I, and I'm actually thinking about it just from a personal, like whatever. Um, like things that are bothering me right now, genuinely, if I think about, okay, in five years from now, if I think about five years where I, I was in college five years ago, I was 19, not even like a senior or anything. I was like in the middle of college. If I think about five years from now, if the things that are stressing me out are actually, and like the thing that's stressing me out right now is like, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. Right. So when I think about it like that, I'm like, oh my God, perspective is a huge thing. Like yeah. taking yourself out of it and just kind of yeah. like, yeah. So that's, that's helpful too. Completely. Yeah. When you're able to put it into perspective with other things down the line. And then it's like, okay, you know, maybe, you know, that's just your silly voice in your head. And that silly voice exists, but that's not going to overpower you or define you. It's okay that she's there, but we don't have to give her too much attention. Yes. How do you feel like, I don't even know if this is something, we've talked about this, but I don't know if it's something that you've looked more like deeply into. I'm still very fascinated by masculine and feminine Mm -hmm. energies and the balancing of it and having maybe more masculine energy in your career, but then more feminine energy in your relationships. How does that, how do you notice your energies come up? Where do you feel like you naturally fall? Because, and I also think about this, my therapist told me to kind of frame it this way. Cause I was asking like, am I in my masculine in relationships? Like I feel like I'm in my masculine with some guys and super in my feminine with others. And in my, in my friendships, like I have three best friends and each one it's, it's a different, it's so weird. Like I have three core best friends. One of them, I feel like I'm in the feminine, like the dynamic between us is like, she's always taking care of me. (laughs) Like That's just how it is. And then in my other friendship, I'm like the masculine, I'm like texting her, like planning, blah, 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 which like I usually don't do. And then in my other one, it's a really balanced between masculine and feminine. Like we both ask each other to hang out. We both like kind of take care of each other. So it's just interesting to see like your energies in different relationships, but because you are just so like, you're so efficient, you're so productive. You just like have a, I feel like your brain is like an organized planner with like perfectly (laughs) color coded files. Meanwhile, I'm, and you're also Virgo, right? I am. Virgo, grounded, air sign. I mean, earth sign. I'm an air sign. Like, I feel like my brain sometimes is just, like, butterflies and fairies. And, like, God knows what's going on. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on in my head? <laughs> so, like, what do you feel like yours is like? And how do you balance it? How do you make the most of it? How do you, like, what's your take on it? Just talk about that. Well, sometimes I feel like my brain is the same way. <laughs> honestly. And... 
I got really into this whole idea of like the masculine feminine energy uh, a few months ago, earlier this year. And I was specifically introduced to the divine feminine on TikTok, which I was loving <laughs> because it did make me uh, think differently about how these energies are balanced and interplay in our lives because everyone does have masculine and feminine energies within them. I think I definitely operate more in my masculine. The superpower of that is being really ambitious, being really driven, being really intrinsically motivated and efficient and getting things done. I've always just gotten things done. And for me, I like the feeling of crossing off my mm-hmm. to-do list. I it's the, It really is an endorphin. <laughs> like, I love that. So now I've realized I tend to put too much on my plate. Separate conversation. <laughs> However, when I've come to this realization that I do tend to operate more in my masculine, that's not a balance. You need to also nourish the feminine. And there's things that I've been trying to do to embrace more of that energy and that side of me. Uh, because I do believe that it comes back to that concept of rest with the podcast, taking care, taking things slow, being patient, not needing to be so on overdrive all the time has been good for me, I think, but it's been so challenging because I'm hardwired to operate more in that masculine from my lived experiences, from my childhood, from the environment, New York city in which I was raised. Um, so I think we need to do little internal self audits every now and then to read, readjust, recalibrate, and just take an awareness to where we're maybe focusing more of our energy towards. But to your point around how our energies maybe are different depending on the friends that we have, like that was really interesting to me because I think it's maybe even a separate conversation really on just compatibility, Mm. right? Because I think to myself, there are friends where like I am the one making the plans Mm -hmm. because I know if I'm not the one initiating, it's hard for them to do so. And there are other friendships that I have more of a balance with. And then other relationships that I have where I see them tend to lean in more. Mm. And I don't think it's necessarily a matter of masculine versus feminine. I think it's a matter of, are those people serving you in this moment? Mm, Interesting. Because the friends or the relationships, for example, I'm very lucky to have a few very strong mentors in my life for my career and my podcast. And I think the nature of that mentor mentee relationship is that I will always reach out if I need help. Mm -hmm. I don't expect them to reach Mm -hmm. out to me unless of course they want to share something or they have something that they want to catch up on or they happen to be in New York, whatever it is. Like, of course I, I don't think that they would not reach out to me, but it's usually me reaching out Mm -hmm. and it's expected that it's going to be that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say power dynamic, but dynamic. Which it's is that, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think it's me operating in my masculine. I just right. think the type of relationship is different for the purpose that it serves. Totally. Whereas the other friends that I've noticed have now started to reach out more to me. I think I serve maybe a more impactful role for a different reason in their life than maybe they do so in my life right now or this period in my life. Yeah. So... I don't know if this makes sense because I'm thinking about it and I'm trying to articulate it as I share it, but I don't necessarily think that 
it's a matter of masculine versus feminine. I think it's more about the type of relationship and the purpose and the intent behind that mm -hmm. experience. That is so, yeah, I completely agree because I remember listening to a podcast and it was like the seven different types of relationships mm -hmm. that you should have in your life. And one of them is like having the person who is your mentor that you can go to for advice that you can go to as someone that you look up to. And then another really empowering relationship is to have someone that you mentor. So they come to you. And I was just talking to uh, my friend Flynn about this. He was actually on the podcast. He's like this male therapist, business mentor. He's, he's kind of like my mentor. Oh there my God. Wow. It's so crazy how like how much podcasts, don't you feel like sometimes in your episodes, like you're almost speaking and then the way, what you're saying is like, wait, I really needed this. Like, what, yes, it's, it's almost like a therapy session. It's I, so I think I made a TikTok about that. I was like, my podcast low key serves as my own therapy yes. session. It's it feels so, like that sometimes. It for really sure. does. Um, but what we were discussing is that something that I've noticed just from living in a place of intentional love and compassion and really trying to be love and see people with love and compassion after going through my own healing journey and giving that to myself I feel like it's a lot easier to see others with that and seeing other people with that is so empowering like you live from a more empowered state and he was asking like what's something that you see now after living in this place and I really feel like I see all of my connections everyone as just more oneness and so when you're talking about understanding the compatibility of a relationship or the purpose and intention of a relationship and this goes into a whole other thing about like friendships and whether something is serving you or not and also you know if you're holding on to the outcome or holding on to a person how if you can conceptually understand this it might be easier to let things go but if you can also see how we are all connected how we are all serving each other in some type of way how we're either helping people being a light for other people or being a mirror for other people or other people being mirrors for us like triggering us and all that kind of stuff it really if you can see it from that way your relationships and your connections become way more meaningful and the ones that aren't serving you in that way become less meaningful and you kind of realize like damn I don't want that in my life and you can let go of it I'm a visual learner and so Everything that you just described, I was thinking about how can I understand it visually? Mm -hmm. And I think it's like creating a filter in your life. Mm -hmm. And when you're able to filter, essentially, I think what you were describing is filtering out the people that aren't serving you necessarily. And how do you identify when someone is serving you versus when they're not? And people coming in and out of your life. But then if you think about it, okay, there's this filter that exists, like an invisible filter. But what is the filter made of? You know, mm -hmm. what kind of material is it made of? What's the shape of the filter? Mm -hmm. Like if you think about the characteristics and qualities of it, that can be synonymous towards those wellness practices that you put mm -hmm. in your life. Mm -hmm. So if you're drawing an analogy between, I don't know, like a paper filter, mm -hmm. okay, the material is paper, Maybe when you're thinking about your wellness practice, that is going on a run. Mm -hmm. That's like creating your filter. Mm -hmm. So these things that you kind of put in your internal ecosystem constitute that filter 
through which you perceive the world mm -hmm. through which you allow people to come in and out. And at the end of the day, it's you making the choice. Mm -hmm. And I think when you recognize that all of what we're talking about really is within your own hands, it's mm -hmm. in your power to do so. There's that feeling of self-efficacy and the desire to want to keep doing good for yourself. Mm -hmm. That is such a great point because I feel like I get a lot of questions of people being like, how do you stay, stay so motivated? How do you stay so disciplined? And what you just said, when you start to recognize the shift, when you start focusing on yourself, you start just feeling better, you start letting go of people, you feel so good that the next day when you wake up, you're like, yes, I want to, I'm not skipping a meditation today. I'm not going to skip my journaling because I notice the difference of the days where I do and the days where I don't. And it's like, I know that I have all the power within me to feel good. Why would I not do that? You know, how do you, but how do you stay disciplined and motivated? That's personally how I do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think my, again, this whole masculine energy thing mm -hmm. and just the way I'm hardwired, I've just always been a very disciplined person. I do think that doing crew in high school mm -hmm. taught me the value of discipline because you couldn't, you know, screw around with mm -hmm. that sport. You have to show up mm -hmm. every day at practice. You had to stay on the rowing machine. You, like I never got up during the middle of a workout. You just have to do mm -hmm. it start to finish. So I was just training myself. And I think um, the more you practice something, the easier it is to be instilled into your brain and mm -hmm. into your habits. So I think the sport itself was a huge influence into how I try to stay disciplined now. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, and that was also when you were younger too. Exactly. So it stayed. It definitely. I mean, I grew up doing Taekwondo and ballet. Both are rooted in Asian culture, Asian culture. My mom is Asian. They do not fuck around. <laughs> like they do not fuck around. And, but I was this like crazy kid, like literally crazy with ADHD. And I didn't want to listen ever, but you know, somehow they whipped me into shape. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it manifested in school. Like I used to get in so much trouble in school, but when it came to sports and then I played tennis and squash, that whole, like, you can't miss a practice. Like, you simply can't. Like, you mm -hmm. can't be disrespectful to your trainers, your coaches. Mm -hmm. You you have to show up and you have to lead by example. So the hardest part is just showing up. Definitely. That's half the battle. Definitely. And I do think that when you become disciplined and really master true discipline, you do it from a place of calmness and clarity in your mind. Mm -hmm. So you don't. Like it's just autopilot. Exactly. It doesn't feel like a chore. Right. It's just right, there. Because it's so part of your lifestyle. That's a huge tip I would give is to like make something a part of your lifestyle. And that's why when people ask about, okay, how do I stay consistent in the gym? Well, I remember when I first started getting really into fitness, it was like 11th grade. And when we were in 11th grade, that was when SoulCycle was like having her moment. Yeah. SoulCycle was... She was, you know, up there. She yeah. was like the cool girl. And I remember I would go and I'd be like, I fucking hate this. I was not a cycle girly. Like, yeah. I did not like it. And finally I found berries, which mm -hmm. I just loved. And it made me want to go. I found an instructor who I loved. I found a workout that my body responded well to. So I think finding the workout or finding the, the type of meditation, the type of breath work, the type of practice that 
works for you and it takes some exploring like it takes mm-hmm. some like digging it's not gonna you know you gotta find out sometimes what you don't like it's just like with dating sometimes you need to know what you don't like in order to know what you want it's the same thing with that with with you know your habits which is, and it's arguably more important and that helps it make it helps you stay more consistent exactly i I'm really good friends with this girl, Lauren. She's a global Nike trainer. She was a guest on the I podcast. I swear, I was literally listening to that this morning. Oh, you were? The interview yes. that we did? I'll show you. Oh yeah. my goodness. I'm so flattered. <laughs> so you, okay. And she talks all about breath work. She talk, she's incredible. Shout out, Lauren. Um, Shout out, Lauren. She was a recent guest on the podcast. Anyone who's listening to this should definitely go stream that as well. Because so she good. like got me into ice and cold exposure. Because she hosts a lot of ice bath workshops um, in New York. Still, in New York, they're incredible. I've done so many of them. I've just become really into cold exposure recently, which is a separate thing. A hundred percent. We might be doing a cold exposure event, so stay tuned for that. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm go. Nothing's confirmed, but you'll see it on social media once things <laughs> fall in place. Anyways, I found a lot of benefit from the practice, but one of her key uh principles to her wellness philosophy because she talks a lot about this is to do what you enjoy it's your Mm -hmm. life do what you like Mm -hmm. if ice is not for you don't do it do a sauna exactly do a sauna (laughs) like and she prefaces this during every ice bath workshop that she hosts obviously people come to do the breath work in the ice but she says at the beginning even before we do the breath work if you don't want to get in the ice don't do it. Mm-hmm. If you try it and you hate it, mm-hmm. don't do it again. Mm-hmm. Like, it's your life. You are more likely to be consistent with things that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. So why do ice if you feel like you should be doing it? Because mm-hmm. it's trendy or this mm-hmm. or that. Mm-hmm. There are other ways to get health benefits mm-hmm. from other practices. And you're more likely to stick to it if you find joy and endorphins from mm-hmm. it. Sometimes I feel like I have this thing because recently... I've been trying to figure out what brings me joy. I keep asking myself that every day. And I really try to live a life that fills me up. And I think I'm very, very privileged and grateful to be in a position where, like, I can live that way, you know? But I think it's everybody's birthright to live a life that feels purposeful and joyful. Because that's why we're here. But obviously, given certain circumstances, all those, you know, prefaces is like, yes, we're not all born into the same life Mm -hmm. but that's something that I'm if I'm in a position where I can focus on being in a state of joy and then extending that to other people that's a powerful position to be in or teaching people being you know giving value driven content to help you on your path to do that that fills me up and I'm sure that fills you up too that's like it just feels so good Spreading the love. It's literally it's spreading, spreading love. love. It's spreading yeah. love. And like, yes, I want yeah. to spread love and I want to spread joy. You hear it here first. But not <laughs> even like in the cliche no. way. No, it's in a, yeah, it's, an empowered way. It is. Of and showing up in your light. And when you show up in your light, you inspire others to show up in theirs. Yes. Yeah. And I think coming to that realization for whoever's listening out there is going to be your own personal journey. Mm-hmm. And you can't just wake up one day and be like, I'm going to spread. no it has to come from like this a deep feeling Mm -hmm. in your body 
and of your mind. And it, uh, the beautiful thing I think about that is there's multiple ways to feel inspired to get to that point in life. And it, when you return to that intention, I think it enables you to lead a more fulfilling life, truly, mm-hmm. when you act from a place of love and in service of other people. Mm-hmm. Jay Shetty talks about it all the time, and I really resonate with his messaging. And um, even in, like, because I know this is more of, like, a spiritual, philosophical conversation, but across religions, mm-hmm. I think this is a message that stays consistent, just totally. acting from love. Totally. Um, I was raised Greek Orthodox, and I never cared to actually learn enough about the religion, so I can't really speak towards it because I, it's not like I ever paid attention in Sunday school or anything like that, but from what I can understand from the faith is that it's the same idea. Mm-hmm. And that's actually really nice to know that I grew up in a, in a religion that champions that. And totally. I think it's also similar across Buddhism and Hinduism and so many other religions out there as well. Totally. It's the same. It is very similar messaging. And then the the stories, all the parables, that's obviously different based on the culture. But the ultimate message is to be love and be in service to your God and to others and to yourself. Mm-hmm. And like, I love that. That's how I try to live. And I feel very, very, very grateful that I can, that that was the life that I've been given, that I can be in, in service to others and like learn how to live a purposeful life and then share it. And I think practicing gratitude is one way to help remind ourselves of the love that we, we experience and that we mm-hmm. can give. Totally. Also, like, if you're ever, this is something I've learned from Gabby Bernstein, but if you're ever feeling super in your head, you're feeling all in your problems, everything, be a light in someone else's life. Literally call up a friend, ask how they're doing, take the attention off of you and put it on someone else and give love to someone else because what you put out is what you get back. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Mic drop. Attraction. Mic drop. <laughs> well, I feel like that was... That was a good up. Is there anything else that you want, like any words of wisdom, something that's been on your head, a channeled message that you just want to share that someone should know or something, some advice that you feel like you would need right now that you just want to share with someone else? It's a great question. Some advice that I want to take for myself right now is, hmm, it's like a lot of things, I think. <laughs> Same. So, <laughs> like, girl, you need help. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> <me. laughs> um, I think it is just reminding myself that life works in your favor. So mm-hmm. why worry about really anything? And Love that, that. And you deserve to live a, a life that is worry less or mm-hmm. there's a minimal amount of self-induced worry. Mm-hmm. So that's something I would want to hear right now and it's something that I would hope other people feel like they could relate to and would help them as well I think that's beautiful and that helps surrender and let go and just trust that there's a plan greater than your own and it's gonna all the best is yet to come and it all works out in your favor yes yay well Stella thank you so much for joining the pod do you want to plug yourself how can we find you yes um, well, thank you, first of all, so much for having me in your home here. So much fun. Great way to start the morning. Yes. Um, my podcast, Everyday Endorphins, you can find it on all listening platforms. 
And you can follow on Instagram everyday endorphins to stay up to date with the interviews that I'm releasing, the, the events that I'm doing in New York, um, some fun and exciting things to look forward to in the fall. So definitely follow along, stay tuned there. And if you want to connect with me, I'm just Stella Stephanopoulos on Instagram. I'll put it all in the description. Thank you. Okay, I hope you guys love this episode. I did. And I'm going to listen to it again and again. Okay, <laughs> bye.